Located just north of downtown Milwaukee, Grafton, Wisconsin is the heart of it all. Bustling festivals, family events, and live entertainment are what we're known for. Business or pleasure, Grafton has it all. With a thriving economy and a warm community, we're the perfect place to get away. You don't want to miss this. Welcome to Getaway to Grafton. Welcome to Getaway to Grafton. I'm Megan Shellwatt, Special Events and Tourism Promotion Director for the Grafton Area Chamber of Commerce. On today's episode, we will be hearing from some of our friends in Cedarburg about local art and museums you won't want to miss. There's so much to do in our own backyard in Ozaki County that we want to share with all of you. Joining us to tell us all about the Wisconsin Museum of Quilt and Fiber Arts is Melissa Rolstad. Welcome to the show, Melissa. Hello, I'm happy to be here. Oh, we're so happy you could join us. So it sounds like the Quilt and Fiber Art Museum has a very interesting history that I was reading about on your new website. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, the museum actually started back in 1988. And what makes it kind of a, a unique or fun story is it was started by a group of ladies who basically kind of saw that the stories behind the quilts were being lost. Okay. So as people were passing away or as things were passed from one generation to the next, the stories weren't traveling with the quilts. Okay. And so they decided to do something about it. Now, at this point, no idea of a museum or anything. They just really wanted to capture the stories behind the artwork that people were making. Sure. And so they started doing things called documentations. And a documentation is similar to an appraisal. You just don't get a value for it. Okay. <laughs> but the whole idea was to capture that story sure. and to collect those. So we continued to do that, captured those stories, and that just grew and grew and grew. And eventually what ended up happening was we had so many stories and so many objects that were starting to be given to the museum that the idea of a museum was born. So <laughs> they, they kind of needed a place to put everything. Makes sense. And so in 2001, they embarked on a fundraising project to try to figure out, okay, exactly what they were going to do. And this was being entirely done by volunteers. Okay. They completed, they raised $1.3 million and completed the restoration of an 1850s barn, which wow. is what our gallery is. Yeah. So did it on time and on budget with an all-volunteer staff. We That's still awesome. do documentation, so we're still actively collecting those stories. And what's great about that is a few times a month, we'll get an email or a phone call from somebody that says, all right, you know, I've, I picked up this quilt at an estate sale mm -hmm. or I inherited this quilt. It's got your name on the back of it with this number. Can you tell me what that means? I don't know anything else about it. Sure. We can then use that tag to pull the information and find anything and everything that we had about that story. Wow. So the story really isn't being lost. And to date, we've documented over 8,000 quilts. So 8,000. 8, oh, yep. my gosh. We've even published a book, um, Wisconsin History, called Wisconsin Quilts, History and the Stitches. Okay. That tells the state's history using the quilts. So oh, using, cool. using those stories. I mean, that's what quilts are all about. That's what fiber art is all about, are those stories. So that's how the museum grew, was out of that storytelling tradition. Oh, that is amazing. And I, I'm just really blown away by the whole idea of, you know, people are bringing these articles to you. You're able to find out information about it, document it. And then later, people are actually contacting yeah. you. That is amazing. Like I said, multiple times a month, they're they're trying to find this. Or again, they just had this and, you know, you might know the pattern or something like that. Or you might have this vague sense that, okay, so-and-so made this back in the family. But you don't really know the details of maybe why or anything like that. And if we have that story, we can actually share that. 
In the museum's archives, we even have marriage certificates, we have baptismal records, we have immigration papers, we have photographs, all of these things that people brought with when they had their things documented. Wow. And so there's this wealth of information that we've got that we can connect them with that's tied to that piece and tied to that quilt, or we also document hooked rugs. So tied to those artworks. That is amazing. So that kind of leads me into my next point. So, you know, looking at your website, one of the things that I learned about the museum is that the philosophy or one of the ideas behind the museum is that the museum is used to foster and inspire creativity by hosting unique exhibits and different artists from traditional to contemporary techniques. So from your viewpoint, what does that mean to you? And what are some of the cool things that you've seen over the years that you want to share with us? What it means to me is... This is still a living, vibrant art form. And what often what we hear a a lot is, oh, yeah, so and so like my great grandma used to do this or something. They don't realize is that young generations are doing this, too. It's something that can connect generations in a way that other art forms really can't. There's something so intensely personal about fiber art. Sure. It's what we sleep under. It's the quilt that you sleep with. It's on your bed. It's the clothes that you're wearing. I mean, somebody created and designed all of those things. And it can be something that is this stunning, amazing work of art that, you know, is hanging in a museum. Sure. We want it to be accessible. And fiber art is accessible in a way that a lot of other art isn't always. And so we want people to be inspired by what they see, but then to take that home and maybe try something. Absolutely. It doesn't have to be perfect. That's one of the beauties of it. In some cases, there are even entire types of fiber art that are dedicated to messiness or repurposing things. So it doesn't have to be this perfect thing necessarily, but it really needs to be that personal story. And that's something that is, I can't say unique to fiber art, but it's really intrinsically linked to fiber art. So some of my favorite things that we've had, we did an entire exhibition a few years ago called From the Heart. Okay. It was an entire exhibition dedicated to all of the different groups that are making fiber art to benefit somebody else. So again, you don't think about all of this other stuff that's going on. So we had volunteers from the Ronald McDonald House in Wauwatosa, for example. They actually have a quilting group so that every family that comes there gets their own quilt. There are groups that make quilts for veterans. So every veteran, they're called quilts of thanks. So the quilts are made specifically for returning veterans coming home or soldiers coming home. We even partnered with the two women's correctional facilities here in Wisconsin. Sure. They both have uh, knitting and fiber arts programs that are actually part of the rehabilitation program at the prisons. Oh, wow. So, I mean, there's really, but all of what they're creating, not only is it helping to rehabilitate people, but it's also... All of the work that they're creating is then donated to area nonprofits so that they can make money and raise funds. Oh, that's so cool. So there's all of these different things and people just don't realize kind of the breadth of what's being done. And oftentimes what's being done in their own backyard. You know, there's some really great stories like that. So that's one of my personal favorites, just because it was so much fun. One of my other favorites is it featured quilts from the museum's collection was on an artist named Mary McElwain. Okay. She's a Wisconsin artist, Wisconsin entrepreneur. So she had a quilt shop in Walworth, Wisconsin from about 1906. Well, she passed away in the 1940s, but the shop stayed open until about 1960. Okay. And she would have loved like Amazon and this outburst and outpouring of social media and things like that. She was really a pioneer in self-promotion. So if somebody purchased a, she partnered with different organizations. So if somebody purchased fabric, for example, it would come wrapped in a pattern from her. But she sold 
In the 1930s, she kept anywhere from 17 to 20 women employed full-time throughout the Great Depression at a livable wage. Gives you an idea of just how powerful what she was doing was, how great a quality what she was doing was. I mean, she sold to the Rockefellers. She sold to kings and queens. I mean, it was, she had a radio show in Chicago. I mean, all of this, this sort of thing. She was really this amazing, amazing woman, amazing entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And we were lucky enough to be the first ones to do an exhibition featuring her work. And part of that is because some of her work actually belongs to the museum. So we oh, have her, wow. we're the repository of all of her records. Okay. And we have a number of pieces of hers. We also connected with her great-grandson. Oh, um, so it was cool. really fun to be able to do that and, and kind of tell this, this Wisconsin, this uniquely Wisconsin story that's still tied to who we are. But it was fun to show her things off as well and really kind of tell her story, but using her art to tell her story. Oh, that is so amazing. Really cool. So touching on that, just it really tugged at my heartstrings, the whole idea of something as simple as making a quilt, you know, just the inner workings of how that can affect somebody. Yeah. And so I was, again, looking at your awesome website (laughs) and your website has a pretty cool and full calendar of things that are happening, all kinds of events, crafting type things, looking at exhibits. So give us a taste of what that looks like. Well, we always try to have a few classes that are tied to whatever exhibition we're doing. So coming up, we have an exhibition called Native Fiber that's open January through April. This is an entirely Native American exhibition. We're actually working with an Oneida woman named okay. Karen Ann Hoffman, who is guest curating it for us. Oh, wow. So she's helping us connect with all of these different Native American nations throughout the United States. And right now we've got over 16 different Native American nations that are committed to participating, representing 15 different types of fiber art. So there's all sorts of different kinds of things that are in there. She's also going to be teaching a class in late January. So she'll be doing a class on Iroquois raised beadwork. And how she's describing it is it's storytelling. It's fun. You need no experience whatsoever, which is really nice if you've ever wanted to try something like that. We have classes for beginners, but we also have classes that are more advanced. So one of our regular beginner classes, we have every single month, we actually run it every month, is a beginning weaving class. Oh, sure. And what's great about that is it's two people and the artist um, or the instructor. Oh, That's wow. It. So you get a lot of one-on-one. She provides all of the materials, the the looms, everything. If you'd ever wanted to try weaving, but re- really sure if you really wanted to dedicate a ton of time or money, it's one day. So it's a great way to kind of dip your toes into something without having to make a huge investment in time and money. She's also really wonderful. And for those that have continued on and decided they really do want to pursue weaving, she's a great contact beyond that. And she's really acted as kind of a mentor to the students. So it's it ends up being this really wonderful ongoing journey for them. It's not just the class. Oh, that's amazing. Some of the other things that we have coming up, we work within the quilting or fiber arts world both local artists, but also nationally and internationally known artists. So we've got some classes coming up by a woman named Heidi Parks in January and in March. Heidi is a Milwaukee artist, so she's she's a local artist, but she's known nationwide. We're just lucky she's in our backyard, <laughs> so it makes it a little bit easier for us because she doesn't have too far to go. But she'll be teaching. She loves doing upcycling. All of her things are handwork, so it's a chance to really try, you know, really doing it yourself. Sure. But we also have other classes by an artist named Victoria Finlay-Wolf and Denise Schmidt. 
Victoria. Her studio is in Times Square in New York City. We're one of the few places that she actually comes to to do two-day classes. It's a lot of fun for us to have her in. She's originally from the Midwest. She's originally from Minnesota, so still a, a Midwestern girl at heart. Her things have been exhibited worldwide. Okay. So to have somebody like that or somebody of, you know, that sort of renown coming to the museum, she was even featured in Traditional Home Magazine. I mean, there's there's a real wonderful draw to being able to pull in artists that are, again, both nationally recognized, some really great local artists, and then others. We also change exhibits about every three to four months. Okay. So um, while Native Fiber is coming up, Following that, we are debuting a new artist. It'll be the first time she's ever done an exhibition. Her name is Greta Mickelson. Okay. And she she creates quilts using tobacco silk. And oh, the wow. tobacco silk, it, they're actually the advertisements that tobacco companies used to use to try to encourage women to smoke. Okay. So she's taken that and taking these tiny little silks and created these gorgeous works of art out oh, of them. Oh my gosh. So it's not something that you typically think about. She's never done a solo exhibition anywhere in the country. Okay. She approached us. So it was kind of fun for us to be working with her for the first time. Sure. She's, she's been great to work with. She's actually creating pieces specifically for the exhibition. Oh, how cool. So really kind of something unique, very different. But at the same time, you know, we were talking before about wanting to foster and inspire people to do something. Absolutely. This is giving an up and coming artist a chance to really do something different and and to really kind of hopefully get her name out there. Sure. And then we have another exhibit called Water that is coming up. And normally you'd think fiber and water are not always the best match. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but in, in this case, we're, we're going with it. But we have a number of local artists that are actually participating. So Vicki Reed, who's from Cedarburg, Suzanne Falkman, who's from Mequon, Mary Mendela, who's from Grafton. So we have a number of local artists that are actually participating in this. But the whole idea is that the theme is around water. So the the piece is in some way, shape or form, whether figuratively or really literally, Mm -hmm. interpret water or work with water or inspired by water. And then there'll be, we're still working on finding some additional artists. So that's something that our exhibit curator is still working on. Most of the exhibits that we do at the museum are self-curated. So they're ones that the museum itself is curating. So they're not things that you can go see somewhere else. Absolutely. So it makes it, again, really special, kind of unique to us. So and, cool. and great for, you know, Zaki County and our community. Absolutely. We just have so much adventure in yes. our backyard and yes, we don't we even do. know it. No, and nobody <laughs> wants to go in your own backyard. I um, know. But it's, there's some real treasures. So Absolutely. It's, it's fun to be able to bring people in. Absolutely. Well, switching gears a little bit, you know, we were talking about how unique your building looks. And Mm -hmm. I would bet you can do some events there, rent out the space. And if so, tell us about that. You can. We will allow rentals in both the upper level. So that's the gallery space, although food and drink aren't allowed in there, unfortunately, because the artwork is there. Of course. And the artwork lives there. So the artwork (laughs) has to take priority. That's right. But you can also rent out the lower level. And there are two different spaces in the lower level. So we've had everything from corporate retreats. So, you know, Fortune 500 companies that have actually done corporate retreats at the museum to, you know, just looking for a place to have a birthday party or bridal shower or a baby shower. It's a great place for those sorts of things. It's a lot of fun to do it there. If you have a small group or even a family group, we can actually do hands-on workshops and things like that for groups. So it's a great space to do it. It's a really pretty space. We have parking. (laughs) 
<laughs> and lots of it. And lots of it, <laughs> which, you know, especially in the community that we're in, it's a big deal. Yes, Parking it is. Parking is really important. <laughs> so not an issue by us. And we do it outside of our regular hours. So rentals are often and usually outside of the museum's regular hours. So we encourage people, if they're interested in doing it, just to give us a call and kind of talk them through it. For any nonprofits that are looking, we actually give a substantial discount to nonprofits or fiber arts groups. Oh, how nice. So we want them to use us as a resource. And we really want to be helping others and assisting others. So we've had a number of nonprofits take us up on it, but we hope others will continue to do so. That's fantastic. So, Melissa, where can our listeners learn more about the Wisconsin Museum of Quilts and Fiber Arts? They can check out our brand new website. We're so excited. We just launched a new website, which is www.wiquiltmuseum.com. So they can check out the website. We've got all of the classes listed on there. Exhibitions are on there. Anything and everything about the museum. There's information about collections. Rentals, if you are a business looking for an organization to partner with, there's corporate sponsorship opportunities. I mean, anything and everything to do with the organization is there. Or even better, they can come for a visit. (laughs) So come visit us. Absolutely. Wink, wink. (laughs) (laughs) Well, wonderful. Thank you so much, Melissa, for your time. I, as well as some of our listeners, are definitely going to make sure to stop by, check out your location, and and maybe even take a class or two. I hope so. (laughs) Thanks. Thank you very much. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to hear from Pam Hugdahl about the Cedarburg Art Museum. Don't go away. Take a ride on southeastern Wisconsin's premier trail through friendly communities offering activities that will please your entire group. Enjoy touring Ozaki County while biking, cross-country skiing, wildlife viewing, inline skating, walking, and running in an off-road environment which is safe for the whole family. For more information, visit innerurbantrail.us. In lieu of the changed tax laws, consider planning ahead and making a tax preparation appointment with Donahue & Associates. Visit us online at donahuecpa.biz. Welcome back, getawayans. Joining us today to share some exciting details about things happening throughout the year at the Cedarburg Art Museum is Museum Director Pam Hugdahl. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Happy to be here. So to kick things off, tell us a little bit about the history and the mission behind the Cedarburg Art Museum. Sure. Um, The museum was founded in 2013 with an initial collection of 49 paintings through the generosity of the Ozaki Bank's Gift to the Future. Okay. It's housed in a beautiful red brick Victorian house along Cedarburg's Main Street, Washington Avenue. Okay. And admission is free, and we have a sweet gift shop filled with high-quality items by local artists. So it's worth the short stroll off the sidewalk to experience all the museum has to offer. (laughs) (laughs) I love that it's a sweet gift shop. (laughs) It is. It is. Yeah. All local artists uh, from Cedarburg, um, a little bit out into Milwaukee um, and Sheboygan. But, you know, it's nothing is prefabricated. So Excellent. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. And the museum's mission is to collect and preserve the art of Cedarburg and promote Cedarburg as a dynamic center for the creative arts. Excellent. And what a unique location to have the museum. I mean, Cedarburg itself is just so rich in culture and... Yeah. Um, you know, I, I live in Cedarburg myself oh. and it's sort of interesting, you know, driving through the downtown and and just the colonial feel of your building. It's just it really is the perfect setting. Yeah, it's beautiful. We're really fortunate to have it and we call it our biggest work of art. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. <laughs> 
So your website really had a lot of great information about current and upcoming exhibits that I think our listeners would definitely want to check out. So share a little bit about some of the things that you have coming up this year. Yeah. um, Well, right now we're really excited about our current exhibition, The Stereo Photography of Hal Rammel, which will be on view through March. And if you've ever looked through a Viewmaster, that's sort of the basis for what he's done. Oh, cool. Yeah. Stereo photography has been around since 1838, but Hal has taken it to a new level by using pinhole photographs and photograms that are viewed through stereoscopes that he engineered. And according to the London Stereoscopic Company, photograms have never been viewed in stereo before. Hmm. So this exhibition merges the Victorian with contemporary in a completely original and beautiful way. So for me, Take it to the next level. Think of it as I I don't know anything about art. So is this like when you go to New York and you're looking at through that thing that like you stick a quarter in and it's kind of like giant binoculars or what does this mean? (laughs) I'm not familiar with that thing in New York, but it is kind of like that. It's kind of like the view map or like... Hmm, it's kind of like the time that my husband was standing in Best Buy holding a virtual reality... Ah, (laughs) okay. (laughs) Very cool. So it really helps to enhance the art and kind of take it to the next dimension. Well, actually, so stereo photographs are like two images that are two and a half inches apart in the way that you see them. Ah. And so they're of the exact same image. Okay. And then you're merging them into one when you, like when you look at through a Viewmaster, you see that three-dimensional image. Okay. So he's got these two images that were taken with pinhole cameras or done on in a larger in the dark room. Okay. So, you know, it's very hard to keep your image the same if you're using these modes of photography. Sure. And uh, he managed to do it. Wow. Yeah. So you get a three-dimensional image when you look through these very primitive looking, (laughs) no, not really primitive, but, you know. (laughs) Some pretty stellar looking. uh, um, 1800-era period viewmasters. (laughs) Yeah. Love it. Oh, yeah. that that sounds really cool. That actually sounds like some pretty cool art to check out after, you know, having a cocktail or dinner with friends and then just looking at it in a different way. Absolutely. Yeah. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. <laughs> well, now that we've had a bunch of giggles about that. Um, <laughs> so I noticed that on your website, there was a section for quote unquote call for art. And yeah. I took that as you guys are looking for art. We do on a regular basis. Yeah. Well, we just finished the first cycle of an application process for the Historic Mill Project. Okay. And the project goal is to commission five artworks of historic mills that were built in Cedarburg between 1853 and 1871. And there were actually six mills in the area. Ozaki Bank's Gift to the Future included a work of the Columbia Mill by Harold Hansen, and that's currently in our collection. Okay. So this project will round out this segment of our collection while supporting current local artists. Very cool. Yeah, and then each year we also hold a juried exhibition in the fall. The 2019 exhibition theme is Night Owls, which will feature Life After Dark. More information and entry guidelines can be found on our website, and the application process will open in June. That actually sounds really cool. Yeah. So the after dark type of a feel, what type of art are you looking for? Well, for instance, right now, our juried exhibition that will be closing soon is Historic Cedarburg Then and Now. Okay. And we often have two-dimensional, you know, paintings, photographs submitted. 
Every once in a while, we get a sculpture. The guidelines for the juried shows usually are to submit an artwork that is anywhere between 28 or 30 inches okay. in any direction in okay. terms of dimensions. Sure. So they, you know, they can't be too big because we have to be able to fit a lot of artists in sometimes. So Absolutely. So night owls will probably focus on anything that happens at nighttime. Okay. We do have a couple of works in our collection that are of Cedarburg in the dark. But it wouldn't necessarily have to do with Cedarburg in this case. You know, it could be somebody working in the factory or somebody up late nursing their baby or, you know, sure. it could All be anything that happens in the middle of the night. Very cool. What I thought was actually kind of interesting about a lot of the pieces in Cedarburg that I viewed on your website was that it's pretty cool. It's all about Cedarburg. There's even homes that like you're driving past on a daily basis and you're going, wait a minute. I just saw that, you know, on a really cool gallery debut or, you know, there's just a lot of rich history and yeah. culture in Cedarburg. So it makes it really easy to create things, especially for the art museum. Yeah, I think there's a, a lot of loyalty to Cedarburg in Cedarburg and people just love it. So they, you know, they want to showcase their town and their city and they really see it as a wonderful place to be and live. And so that's, you know, that's what the museum is doing <laughs> So it sounds like the Cedarburg Art Museum is really involved within the Cedarburg community. And I had seen on your website that it sounds like you guys either work with high school students or local scout organizations or somehow get involved in, in those type of organizations. So yeah. tell us about that and those experiences. Yeah. So each year, the museum invites several artists to work with teens for high school sketch. And these sessions range from architectural drawing and clothed figure drawing to collage and other sketchbook-based projects. Last year, we partnered with Studio 224 in Port Washington, where the students had the opportunity to turn their drawings into prints. And we've been really fortunate to receive funding for these programs from the Mary Knoll Fund at Greater Milwaukee Foundation and recently through the STEP Fund. Our scout workshops are led by local artist and volunteer Mary Newcomb, who has so much fun helping the troops earn their drawing and painting badges. In about one hour, she has the students drawing with their eyes closed, upside down, backwards, left-handed. And <laughs> wow. at the end, the students are all delighted to see that they can actually draw. Troop leaders can email info at cedarburgartmuseum.org to arrange workshops like oh, that. That is super yeah. cool. Excellent. And I like that it's branching out working with other local cities as well. So yes, yeah, very cool. Other organizations for sure. Yeah. Um, so I understood that our listeners could rent your space for a party, a wedding, a special event. Yeah. And again, as I said, it's a beautiful building. So I don't know why you wouldn't want to have an event <laughs> there. So tell us how that works and how people can arrange that. Yeah, we do have an amazing space inside as well as outside. We have a courtyard in the back where we hold a summer beer garden on Thursday evenings. And that's June through September. So it's a great time to come and check the space out and see what we have to offer. It's very popular. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Have you been? I haven't been, oh. but usually <laughs> we'll go out for dinner that night. We'll yeah. go to one of the local restaurants that happens to be across the street. Okay. Tommaso's. Okay. Um, <laughs> and, and you'll have cars piled up. So what you can do in the future is you can get your Tommaso's pizza to go and carry it across the street and oh. eat it in the beer garden and listen to live music. And I'm going to remember Have a Sprecher beer and <laughs> or a glass of wine or a soda. And yeah, it's a really wonderful community gathering space. 
And we also always have a food truck there. So you don't even have to carry your food in if you don't want to, but you're not prevented from doing so. Very cool. Just leave the beer at home. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the beer garden's great because it's one of our main fundraisers for the museum. So it's really helpful for us to have that. And in terms of renting the space, we've done a couple of weddings in the courtyard. Just beautiful space for that. And I know that our bride last summer was so pleased with doing her ceremony and her reception in the courtyard. And then the building also has a lot to offer. It's a great place for cocktail receptions and meetings. And people have access to all the galleries when they rent the space. There's a kitchen on site, restrooms, of course. And then, you know, if you wanted to do an indoor-outdoor event in the summer, that's an option. If you wanted to just have a cocktail reception inside the building, it's a beautiful place to do that. Wonderful. It sounds fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So for people that are coming up to Cedarburg over, you know, a a weekend, three-day weekend, a holiday, whatever it may be, what are some of the things that our listeners can look forward to and know that are going to be happening throughout 2019? I would say, well, you know, we have our exhibitions are on all the time and they're rotating. So if you've come in in the past, you'll definitely want to stop in again on your next visit. The museum is free and open to the public. Our hours are Wednesday through Sunday, 10 to 4 on Saturdays, 12 to 4 on Sundays. So most days they are able to just stop (laughs) in and, you know, walk in and visit the gift shop. And there's no strings attached, no admission (laughs) fee. So that's that's nice to know. A lot more information can be found on our website, which is cedarburgartmuseum.org. And um, that's a great place to start. Otherwise, we're also on Facebook. And if all else fails, just stop in and see us. (laughs) Wonderful. Well, I'd like to thank you so much for being on the show today, Pam. Uh, You know, just seeing it from the outside, I'm looking forward to being able to check it out on the inside. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Come on down and we would love to see you and welcome you into our home. Thanks. Yeah. When we come back, you'll get a chance to hear a sneak preview about February's episode. Don't go away. You won't want to miss this. Grafton is the perfect location to stay and play any time of the year. Whether you're golfing in Sheboygan, having a romantic evening out in downtown Grafton, or planning a family reunion, plan ahead and stay at Grafton's premier hotels, the Hampton Inn & Suites Grafton, or the new Town Place Suites by Marriott. Their hotels are sure to make every detail flawless for family fun and relaxation. For more information about either of their locations or to book a stay, please go to Hilton.com or Marriott.com and search Grafton, Wisconsin. The crisp, cold air of Ozaki County isn't something to be afraid of. It's something to relish. Whether it's enjoying the still-frozen lake off Harrington Beach or braving the elements to indulge in a Friday fish fry, Ozaki County's picturesque winters are why we're here and why you should be too. So lace up your snow boots and the families too. It's time to join us in Ozaki County. Learn more at OzakiTourism.com. Next time on Getaway to Grafton, we will be chatting with some of our friends who represent tourism and fun things to do throughout Ozaki County. Learn about places to stay, play, and explore just 20 minutes north of Milwaukee. For more information about Ozaki County tourism, please visit their website at OzakiTourism.com. To all our listeners, if you like what you've heard on today's episode, we'd love for you to share, review, and subscribe to Getaway to Grafton. Be sure to check out our latest episodes on our Facebook pages, Grafton Area Chamber of Commerce, and Celebrate Grafton. If there's anything you'd like to know about today's episode, we'll have the links and resources available to you in our show notes. 
For more information about Getaway to Grafton and the Grafton Area Chamber of Commerce, please visit us at grafton-wi.org. On behalf of myself and the Grafton Area Chamber of Commerce Tourism and Promotion Development Committee, thank you so much for listening. See you next time.